You're listening to Late Night Reflections and I'm Tiga. So today I wanted to say that as an African, as a black African, I am mentally ill. So why am I saying that? Why do I always say that? Anyway, so this show is a little bit of um, it's something I wanted to talk about. And then it's also a reply to a podcast that I actually listened to and kind of echoed to the subject I wanted to talk about. So the podcast is the China Africa Project. Is by Eric Olander and Corbus Van Staten. I hope I'm pronouncing the uh, the name right. So it's just it's a podcast around uh, st- um, kind of analyzing the relationship between China and Africa, and any other relationship, uh, any other I would say interaction that can kind of influence those relationships. I'm going to put a link in the anyway in the description on for the episode so you can go and listen to it if you want to. It's a really nice podcast, anyways, and I learn a lot through them about what's happening on the continent right now um and so in the subject they were they they started with the speech of donald trump on you know nambia or namibia anyways and kind of derived on around the narrative that are going on on the continent in africa and in asia or china per se about the narrative that they have about themselves and you know their own continent and how they're evolving so basically what both of them were saying is that uh Chinese Chinese people or Asian people and African people both knew both had to suffer colonialism, imperialism and I would say uh European or American people coming and impose their own culture or their own views of the world or imposing, you know, just yeah, their own culture to other people. They've done that around the world, every almost everywhere, without any discrimination on that on that on that matter. And so they were kind of baffled because both of them are journalists, like long-time journalists, and they've lived in Asia, they've lived in Africa also, and I think other countries, I don't know, you know, but they've lived and they have, you know, they have extensive knowledge of all these things happening. And they've seen how those, uh, some of those countries have changed and shaped themselves and evolved and kind of um, reborn from their ashes, from colonialism or any war they've known. And in that subject, in in that matter, they were talking about the fact that when they go to Asian countries and a lot of Asian countries in China, uh, they see that, yes, they've known colonialism or imperialism or any other, you know, occupation of the territory by foreign forces. They've known that, but it's not very present in the narrative that the country has for itself and how they view themselves today. It doesn't define how they see themselves today, so they kind of take it or shape it differently and say, you know what, it happened to us. It was years ago. We're not defined by that. We're not those people anymore. It's just, it was just, I would say, a weak moment. And so they use it as a narrative of saying, it's not going to happen to us anymore. We're going to make sure that it doesn't happen to us anymore. And they thrive onto that and they kind of have this economical rise going on for them. And they took the example of China saying that the, the uh, Chinese government uses this narrative and saying, never again is going to happen to us and we're going to make sure that we put everything in place to be a force in the international landscape now that people can recognize us and we're not going to be weak anymore. We're going to go back to the period of time, our golden age or the period where we weren't that weak and people didn't see us as, as weak. And that's kind of the narrative that's driving the whole country or the whole, you know, that part of the world in a lot of Asian country also. So they're driven by the idea of not going back to where to a period of time where they were weak and where foreign forces could come and invade the country and, you know, kind of put them in a 
in a serve, do you say serval? Sometimes I'm speaking in French in my head, sorry. And put them in a position of, you know, of, I would say slaves or, you know, you know, like you're not uh, the master of your own destiny anyways. And they don't want to be in that position anymore. And then they contrasted with the fact that when they go into the African continent, overall, the, 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 the narrative that I hear is kind of very pessimistic, very... Uh, very on the victim side of it or even very fatalist fatalist in the sense that people say yeah colonialism happened but apparently in all the discussions that are having or a lot of the discussion they're having it always comes as an excuse of why the continent is is the way it is now and they have that feeling and people have that feeling of fatalism where they feel like everyone is going to come and exploit them Hence, even when Chinese people come, they see that's oh, you know what, like that's how the African continent is anyway. Everyone is coming to come and take all our, you know, gold and all our, our, you know, resources and go and use it somewhere else. And literally, we have that kind of behavior where we feel we don't have any say into it, and we just exploit it, and we're just in that position where we're not able to do anything about it. And they really couldn't understand it and they were kind of baffled by it by how is it that two people that knew kind of the two same suffering are not able to kind of come back from that in the same way even though they knew like they went through the same you know uh traumatic experience how is it possible that one of them is able is able to kind of you know say okay it happened to me that's it i'm moving forward and then the other one is kind of always going back to that uh, trauma and saying okay this happened this is why I'm like this it's because this happened to me and everything that happened to them they kind of you know uh, put the source or the cause to that event if I may say and they couldn't quite understand it and uh, after listening to the show I was just like yeah I mean I'm a young African you know and myself I catch myself having this kind of thoughts or behavior or even saying that in discussions with other African people like you know we're just that's just how the continent is even after the, even if at the same time I have that kind of you know positivism that's coming out now because I see more and more things happening in the continent but somehow at some point I always feel like you know what our politicians are corrupt and there's nothing you know I can do about it and they also talked about the fact that, yeah, our politicians are corrupt, but they are also corrupt in China. They are also corrupt in other countries, but you don't have that narrative that's so strong that they find in a lot of African countries. And they couldn't just quite understand where it was coming from. How is it possible that we just can't get hold of our own destiny, of our own history right now, get a hold of it and say we are able to shape it and we are able to change it and we want to shape it and we want to change it and we want we don't want to be victims anymore how is it possible that we are not able to have that mind shift that a lot of asian country have and uh, and yeah so that's literally you know the the questions that i had and you know the interrogations that i had and i was thinking i wanted to do this episode anyway so i just used this was just a perfect way of answering that question to myself and to them I guess so this is my point of view it's not like any one point of view but I feel that's why you know we are in this position because I myself find myself in this position so why did I say first that we're mentally ill because I feel like to be able to rise from a trauma or a situation you have to have a lot, a lot of positive memories inside you to be able to cling onto them to then rise from any trauma you ever experienced in your life uh 
let me try to explain that. So when they were talking about China and they said, you know, Chinese want to go back to where they were before. They don't want to be weak anymore. They want to close this kind of bracket of uh, occupation and exploitation. But it was just a bracket. That's exactly what it was. So they had something to refer to. They had a, a like a golden age. They have a like I would say a peaceful era. They had something to go back to. They have the, they had a foundation to go back to, and I feel like a lot as African people we don't have anything that compares to that. So the only thing we know, and I as a young African, the only thing I ever know about my history or my culture is related is correlated to an European history and. And culture and let me explain that to you so when they say that the government has this kind of narrative we're going to be strong we're going to be we're going to go back to where we were I'm sure they're always referencing some kind of king in the dynasty somewhere that was able to beat someone or they can go back to Genghis Khan or something like that and I as even not a Chinese person I know there's a lot of positive uh, literature out there and there's a lot of positive narrative down out there of strong Chinese people, strong invention done by the Chinese culture or the writing or even the, the the spirituality that they have, even like the calendar they had, how they count the years. And that's how they count the years. They don't count the years as us. They have their own calendar, how they used to interact in society, how the law was made and how they, they you know, the social interactions were made, how they used to dress, how they used to eat, what were the rituals about that. And I feel like, Every strong culture right now, every strong civilization, if you want to call it civilization right now, has a foundation. You cannot build a house on no foundation. And right now, Africans, we have no foundation at all. So we cannot refer to a golden age. We cannot refer to a happy period where European people weren't there or Muslim people weren't there or, you know, like Ottoman people weren't there. And that's how our society was. And then okay guys let's go let's try to go back to that period or at least let's try to take some of that period and improve it for today and then build a society around that we don't have that so hence why we can just sit there as victim and just observe what's happening and the Lately, I've been trying, you know, to kind of, uh, in one of my episodes, I say that I'm not African and I don't want to be African spokesperson because the only thing that defines me as an African right now is the fact that I'm born in the continent. I couldn't say anything else about it because even as the, someone from my tribe, I don't know much about the culture of my tribe. There's no book out there for me to read about it. So literally, it's just because I'm born there and I was born from that tribe that I can claim it without any work into it. And... Uh, that creates in in my mind, I think, for a lot of Africans, the fact that we cannot refer to any time before colonialism. We don't have anything in our head. And the fact that even if it's just in the familial circle that we talk about something, if the the society as a whole or the government as a whole doesn't structure it in knowledge or even in education, it doesn't make any, it doesn't help at all because one individual is not going to make it's not going to reshape their history or the narrative. For us to have a narrative that's strong, as you said, as uh, Eric Olander and his uh, and Corbus said, that's so strong. We have to have structure. We have to have books. We have to have it in schools. We have to kind of implement it in young people's head. From the beginning, you are strong. You are able to do it. 
this happened during your history this happened during you know the history of our culture or our country we had this and that and then at some period some guy from outside came and invade us but you know what it's fine he came he left now we have to rebuild again and this is how educational history can help us to have that narrative in our head because subconsciously we would do that but when i went to school and i think it's no different for now my my books were written in france so i have no history of i have nothing i don't have any i knew about like mali empire after school but not during school i never learned about those empire and i never learned how it applied to me um but i don't know i, I don't know about the roman empire i do know about the italian culture i do know about the renaissance i know about all those amazing inventors and philosophers that were from european cultures so at some point even as an like if you see an european even no matter what happens he can refer to something he can kind of see what he the culture or the country invented even though it was dis, uh, destructed or even though it was erased somehow by an occupier he can still know that he existed so somehow he knows that he's valuable and that he has something to bring on the table as a young african i don't know any african inventor that was there before colonialism i don't know any philosopher name i have no idea what how what was the law in africa how was the, the the law written how how in africa or any empire i don't know how you know how empires were what was the law how did people get married what was the customs i know how louis catholic uh used to dress it i can even tell you how he used to shit because i went to a museum that tells me that and as a culture and as a country you can rebuild yourself when you have something to refer to if you have nothing to refer to then you cannot rebuild anything you cannot get out of your ashes you just have your ashes and that's the only thing you have that's why sometimes i feel like as an african also i have the stockholm syndrome because i am so into the cultures i was brought to me that i don't ha- even have a memory of what was there before i'm amnesic i have this you know stockholm syndrome where i like the person that came and gave me something that wasn't mine i empathize with him and everything i can almost I, yeah i do empathize with him and i do find reasons and I, i i do find rational reasons why this makes sense and why i'm in this situation and that is why you're going to find a lot of africans saying yeah you know what this, you know the world is like that there's nothing we're good and we're going even to find rational reasons why we're in this situation and why it's just that's how it is and then we cannot change anything about it and yeah so for me the real reason why we have that victim and fatalist position is because we don't have anything to refer to we don't have any culture of our own that we can see in books because it's not just about you know saying that i dress this way i, I wear this clothes this ankara fabric or anything like that that's for me is just you know a manifestation i would say just a token of the culture but it's not the culture itself because for me it has to be codified we have to be able to go to books we have to be able to grasp like a kind of scientific and rational way that our societies were organized and then we can criticize it and then we can build something from it but until then we're just going to have those attitudes and for that we need we need to reshape like we need to to reinvent everything or reinvent or re-explore everything how it was before so um I, th- i when i say we are mentally ill it's also that even my parents have it's like they have no clue of what happened before 
you know, slavery, colonialism, we have no idea. And when I say we have no idea, you can find books. Now it's easier, yeah? You know, you can find books out there. You can try to read and research, but still ask you to do a lot of effort when you're old, you're already old and where, you know, all your stereotypes are already built, all your behaviors are already built. So you kind of have to deconstruct yourself to be able to build something else. Whereas how I feel it in few students, like Chinese students that I've met when I was doing, when I was at uni or something like that, is that from a very young age, school builds in them that kind of, that sense of pride. It's like school builds, uh, builds an image in the head of China being in the center of the world. Like American kids or American people are built around an idea of America being at the center of the world. Like French people. So I was in France and let me tell you, French people, are, like a lot of them young people are learning English now, but in the small villages, they're not interested in, in English because French culture is amazing. Like the food is great, people are great, music is great, our, our philosophers were great, the books, you know, everything is great about us. So we don't need to learn English, you know, almost like those people, those other people don't know. They have to come and learn from us because our culture is amazing, our fashion, sense of fashion is amazing. And, I've, and I do think that for someone to rise from any trauma, you have to be able to have that like inner inner self-confidence and to build that you have to know your story to some extent and in a very not always objective way of course but you have to have it written somewhere and you have to have access to it when you're little when you're a baby when you're not even able to process everything yet but you have that continuously given to you because when you have to do it like me when I'm 30 years old I have to almost or every time uh, check myself when I'm talking or when I'm thinking because the way I'm thinking wasn't built from the premises of my own culture. It was built on the premises of someone else's culture. So from unconsciously, every time I refer to something that's great, it's white. Every time that I refer to any philosopher, it's a white guy. Every time that I refer to any invention, it's a white guy. So subconsciously in my mind, I have to deconstruct that to be able to put in my mind that great inventions can also be done by black people. Uh, great banks, great institutions, great presidents can also be black people. And until then, there's no way we cannot see ourselves, there's no way we will see ourselves like we can rise and we can do something. And it, it saddens me and also also kind of breaks me inside because I feel like I'm my own, you know, I'm the one uh, kind of standing in the way of my own happiness or our own happiness as a society, as a continent, because every time I have to check myself, so I, I have to kind of, it's almost like a schizophrenic, you know, I don't know if it's really schizophrenic, but I have to watch the, 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 the voices inside my head. I have to watch my, my brain and my mind, how it works, because somehow I wasn't able to control what, what was put inside there when I was little. And that and whatever was put inside wasn't right for me. And now I have to get out. I have to get it out of my system somehow, or at least get it out of my system long enough for me to put something valuable inside it. So then I can compare objectively. Let me take an example. Like when I was saying about organized society. So a lot of Kemet people, you know, like Afro Pan Africans people now, we refer to like the Egyptian, uh, you know, culture as like one of the, you know, an African culture or black African culture or Kemet, you know, I don't know much about it, but I'm kind of learning, I'm in the process. So for me, I feel like that's a big thing now is 
Egyptian or Pharaonic Egypt and everything like that. So it's in Africa and it was black people. But I'm sorry, when I grew up, they were all white people. Egyptians were all white people. It's just in my mind, that's it. The movies I was seeing, they were white people. When I was reading any book, they were white people. So now I have to learn at 30 years old that they were black. So in my mind, I have to deconstruct everything that was inside there. I have to deconstruct all the, the mindset that I had, all the, the, the ideas that were ingrained there somehow that those people were actually black and that maybe those people, and that actually those people invented things and that somehow we have the capacity of inventing instead of copying because literally that's what we're doing now, we're copying. I feel like uh, when Eric Orlando was saying, oh yeah, those Chi- Asian countries are just able to kind of, you know, that was just a page of our history. But I say that was just a page of their history because their history is so much more dense and and immense you know they have their own religion system so they can go to confucianism and say you know this is how we used to to do things this is how the samurai used to fight this is how you know we used to dress up they have like they have all those things in the in the libraries in the museums and even us as external asian people external people we can we know what happened during those years and years ago and if you grew up being able to refer to what happened before any trauma and you can see what it was before then you can say okay you know, it was just a page it was just a paragraph of my story but it's just not my story because my story is so much more than that and then because you have that perspective in your own story you're able to kind of criticize what happened before or what your ancestors did before or did the dynasty before did before the dynasty did before and then you can you can just say okay i'm going to improve it i'm going to improve on that and i'm going to do something better you can kind of say okay how how is it possible we lost this war because we fought this way and this way so what was what were our you know military art like or military organization like and you go to books that are going to explain you how you know asian or chinese warriors used to organize themselves you can go to uh, to books that are going to explain how they used to lay out things and how to, they used to create arms and then you can say okay this is how we used to do it and then we fought against these people and we lost so it means we have to improve what we used to do before and then what were they doing and then you compare and you kind of objectively try to learn from that but as african people like tell me which book please tell me which book i can read about that please tell me which school is teaching me about the warriors warriors that we had in our continent that fought please tell me which school does that and when i say school it's a governmental school it's not something that parents have to pay a lot of money to go to please tell me which school because until we have that we we won't have that mindset that eric olander and Cobbs was talking about we always have this mindset of saying you know how what can i do about it because in my mind in my dreams there's nothing there's there's no escape and that escapes coming from the fact the fact that we have something to grab to we have a happy moment to go to we have no we have none of those as africans it's sad to say but i don't have any of those some are going to pray like you know like uh the zulu warrior what was his name again you know in one movie but that was just one person I mean, I can give you a list of countless philosophers in Europe. I can give you, I'm sure I can give you countless names of like writers in Chinese culture or, or you ha- ask any Japanese person or Chinese person. He's going to give you countless list of philosophers and warriors, thinkers and musicians. And he's going even to give you the music they were playing. And someone is going to even play it now because they know exactly where it was. And he can even criticize it for you and say, you know what, I'm going to improve it. But please tell me which institution right now in Africa or in any African countries does that for us please tell me which which i'm so 
sometimes these things make me so mad but at the same time like it feels like we have to be the one doing it now because literally no one is doing it so please tell me if you know anyone because i'm on a journey like i said in a few episodes i'm on a journey of learning and constructing myself to be someone else or to be a better version of self myself and that comes with knowing who i am and not knowing on a very empirical way but knowing because i've read books about it retracing the story like i said the history in a more objective way of like and where i can compare analyze objectively analyze and contradict and see contradictions into it and then maybe create something better and more you know inclusive of what's happening now or more in tune of my time but until then we're just going to have that attitude and i guess that's that's it's a sad conclusion it's not really a sad conclusion it's more of a we have to work for it because we have to create our we have to do our own revolution we have to as young africans now because our parents didn't do it we have to write our own books we have to uh recreate our own story we have to ch- people that study law you have to go and know what was how did we used to organize our societies before in the mali empire and how were the lawyers because for sure they were lawyers so you know somehow how did we punish people that would do wrong things how was it working how what was the framework in, inside it what was the idea behind it what was the philosophy behind it and every uh, every each each of us has to somehow do it or like scholars have to do it so at least that way we can critically analyze it and try to build a society that's different but until then we're always going to try build society on some on someone else premises and someone else philosophy or someone else way of thinking and because of that we're always going to have in our head that mind of you know what everyone is always going to come and exploit us because somehow we're using someone else way of thinking to organize our life and i think that's where it's coming from eric olander and corbus if you ever listen to this that's all that's where it's coming from because i feel like Japanese people have a way that this, the society is struck it might be wrong or right but that's not even the question they have a way that overall the society is structured it's around a different mindset as the french one is they around a different philosophy or it's different spirituality french people have a different spirituality and different you know mindset so the society is organized differently the work is organized differently the relationship between men and women is organized differently between work you know how do you find work what is work for you how do you define work it's different because they're just two different societies and two different ways of seeing things same for chinese people the way they see the world and even the way they lay out the time and they lay out the years kind of frames also the way you live your life and the way you you see your society or the way you dream about the future of your society all that somehow interacts or, or you know kind of blends into each other and until i feel like we have that minds we have kind of explored what we used to be and then from there try to create try to ask ourselves what we want to be then we're always going to feel like we're victims because somehow we are just our own victim like we're all we, we are our own you know persecutors because we just take someone else and then we kind of put it in our mind and like i said we're mentally ill at least me i i have to acknowledge the fact that i am mentally ill because i have to fight against myself somehow uh and and that is really difficult it's, it's sometimes it's is really tiresome i would say and that's just how you know as black africans or our africans or our black we have to go through because we don't have anything to refer to 
we just don't have anything to refer to. People are saying, I wouldn't tell me read Egyptian things, but still, in the, in the general literature, it's still not, you know, referred to as black, you know, Egyptians. So somehow we have to know what was before so we can say we're going to improve what was before to create a better future for ourselves. But until then, there's not much we can do. I think I'll stop my rambling there. <laughs> but I do hope, like, it kind of answers the questions why, the question why uh, some Africans or, like, a lot of Africans can be so pessimistic about the future or so fatalist fatalist or fatalistic fatalist or even so in that victim position it's just because i think that they don't have anything to grasp to they don't it's like almost when you're in a depressive mood and you you don't have you don't see any bright future and just because we don't have any bright past to go to so we cannot imagine that there any there's any bright future because our past wasn't bright and anything in our everything in our bone and in our dna tells us that the past wasn't bright so how can you even phantom or dream of a bright future if you've never known what bright means if you you don't even know what that concept of bright means so that's i think one of the reason why yeah we we have that attitude somehow ingrained in our mind and uh, it's going to take some time sometime it's going to take centuries i think <laughs> i think in my lifetime i won't see you know much of a change in that even though we're going to have certainly some economical growth and everything but i don't think that as um, as the mind goes it's going to change much uh a little little by little i do hope that in future generations and future centuries is going to be something else but as i see it i feel like there's so much that we have to go through to get there that it won't take 20 years that's for sure and in 20 years i'll be dead i think <laughs> oh no i'll be 50 sure <laughs> no i'll still be alive sorry so yeah so i think it will take more than 20 years anyways and i hope to be here in 20 years <laughs> so yes guys so let me let me like let me know what you think about it i've i didn't know how i didn't know how to answer just by post so i just did a video uh, audio for that so also go to check uh, the china africa project by eric olander and Corbus van Staten. it's a very great show uh, you learn a lot about, uh, you know, all the economics going in the country or also other soft power. Anything that's related to China, Africa project, uh, Africa relationship is really interesting show. And it's really, you know, very informative and it's not so, and the words are very easy to understand, even if you're not, you know, into the subject anyway. So, yes, thank you again. To, uh, uh, thank you again for that show because I'm learning a lot. Um I hope to see you soon. Take care of yourself, guys. Then, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you also have the show on iTunes. So if you want to go and give some reviews, that would be great. And thank you for the few people listening to this. Have a lovely day or evening. 